To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Divas Podcast, episode 93. We are back in the building, man, on a special day, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On all your popular platforms, you get your podcast from, I am your host, Coach Defense. I want to give a shout out to all my subscribers, my day ones, my new subscribers. Everybody's been rocking with me from day one to now. I appreciate everybody that's been rocking with me, listening to me each and every week. There's been a lot of movement going on. There's a lot of things been happening, uh, new videos, different projects been working on definitely been tearing me in, in new and different places man but i appreciate everybody holding me down and listening to my content and paying attention to exactly when we go live every time we drop a video man the views have been exponentially good in the past three or four months man it's been going up and up and up um i haven't done a had a video that hadn't gone ex- exponentially high in in the views man i, I want to thank everybody that's been rocking with me and uh and holding me down man uh, uh listen I, I really really appreciate it man it's from the bottom of my heart man i think everybody's been rocking with me man and we'll keep doing this thing big like i said like i said in the beginning of this thing it's only just the beginning we'll keep rocking and rolling man listen uh we got a great show we got a great show to do today man um you know a bit of summer news that we want to talk about um We'll talk about Bill Russell today. Uh, we're going to give a tribute to Bill Russell. Uh, he un- unsuspectedly or suspectedly passed and left us uh, over the weekend. And we're going to talk about his uh, life, his legacy, and what he meant to uh, a lot of us. So we'll get into that. Then we're going to talk about NFL. I want to give the NBA and Bill Russell his own segment. And I'm going to let Bill Russell have the whole entire NBA segment today. So we're going to do it that way. Then we're going to jump into NFL. We're going to talk about... Deshaun Watson one more time. The definitive word on Deshaun Watson and his case. The suspension was levied uh, this past week, and uh, we're going to talk about exactly what that means and how this thing is going to play out going forward. Then we're going to get into the tampering Dolphins. We're going to talk about them, and we're going to get into exactly what has been happening with with their organization and what happened to them when they got a punishment levied to them on Tuesday. I want to give a final word on Kyler Murray's contract and what I feel like this means for Kyler and the Cardinals going forward. Then uh, we'll get into some training camp news. We'll, we'll break some news as far as contracts are concerned and things of that nature, some early uh, news injuries and things of that nature. We'll get into that quick and uh, and real quick, bring that to you. And then we'll do our segment, Biggest Headlines, for the uh, NFC North this week. We're going to talk about NFC North and what the biggest headlines for each and one of those teams are for this coming season. And then we'll get right into that, and then we'll wrap up with fourth quarter closeout. We'll give out our awards. Uh, well, we'll have no awards this week, so we'll just give out a big dummy of the week, and we got a good one. So stay tuned for that. So let's get into who's the news, man. Let's do it. So let's talk who's in the news. We're going to start with the NBA. And as I alluded to in the intro, that we're going to do this entire segment in honor of Bill Russell. Bill Russell uh, passed uh, peacefully over the weekend, and um, he was 88 years old. And uh, when I say uh, uh, the 88 years he spent on this earth was spent, to the fullest, I really mean that. I really mean that. And uh, just, um, and I don't want to use the word take for granted and things of that nature, but I really feel like Bill Russell was special and we really, truly didn't hone in on the idea that he was a special individual until 
the outpouring and the outcry and the tributes have come out in in encompasses life now uh you know full disclosure i was not alive when bill russell played basketball um so i remember him much more so uh later on in life in in his uh nba influence and him coming into uh his own as far as being a, a leader a father figure a, a, a mentor a guide uh, i mean any connotation you want to put on it in regards to his uh impact on the nba especially uh was amazing uh, to say the least i mean it's I don't think that an adjective or set of adjectives can honestly and truly do this man justice in all honesty. Um, and if you watch this on YouTube, you can see that I put up his accolades uh, as an as NBA player and as a man. Now, he played from 1956 to 1969. That predates me. Uh, he won 11 championships, five MVPs. And in his post-career as a Hall of Famer, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. Now, that particular uh, set of accolades is just a tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. It really is. Uh, Bill Russell uh, is uh, is an all-time great basketball player, a man. Uh, like I said, a father figure, a mentor, uh, just an overall uh, guy in life. You know, completely and utterly authentic to what he's always been about, and that's what's right and what's wrong with with the world uh he made no bones and no and no bearings about it that he was always going to be about on the right side of history when it comes down to things that happen in in, in the world if he it was not right he he did not mince his words and he did not uh bite his tongue when it comes down to the idea of him expressing his displeasure with wrong things and his pleasure with right things uh and he told you exactly how he felt uh good bad or indifferent and um and it was what it was that's why i say he really makes him an authentic person and i really uh, truly appreciate his uh influence on uh practically everybody that we will hold true in 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 regards to all-time greats and, and legends in the, in, the, in the game of basketball he's truly an icon i mean when that word greatest of all time icon legend all those things get th thrown around a lot but i'm here to tell you that the quintessential man that embodies all of those words is Bill Russell. Uh, greatest champion of all time. Greatest man that a lot of people have had the privilege of being involved in. And just in a sense by osmosis, you know, in a sense that he's influenced me and a bunch of other people with his words of wisdom to others in, in the NBA world that reverberate and, 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 and flow out to us in uh, second and third and fourth hand. So to say that Bill Russell lived and gave his all for 88 years is is right on point and right on par and understand that he really and truly is a man that we should honor, respect, and, and, and mold ourselves as if we are truly trying to be good stewards and good people in this world today, in all honesty. Now, I did a small tribute to him um, in, on my social media, and I want to read it here. Um, Bill Russell was the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball that I never saw. And like I said, he was a person that played basketball and had his career predated my eyes and my birth. Uh, you know, And all I got to really see was clips and, and statistics and things of that nature that he was uh, a part of. 
and you know he was very impactful in the game of basketball um in, in his time playing with the boston celtics is that bill russell was much more to the game than just an 11 time champion bill russell was authentic proud unafraid honest strong in so many ways and he was always himself bill gave much more than his body to the game he gave his mind bill russell took everything he learned and he poured it back into the players Bill Russell was a father that some of the players lacked growing up. Bill Russell did the work and never sought out credit. Bill Russell mentored most, if not all, the icons we revere as legends today. Bill Russell trailblazed a path to greatness that many knew never existed until he opened the door. Bill Russell was the first and the best of us. And he was the best of us. Bill Russell at the age of 88 leaves us a legacy that I don't think can be replicated. I really don't. Uh, he really definitely gave us very proud moments, hilarious moments, uh, thought provoking moments. And uh, again, like I said, just the, what you could and should model yourself as or after in a sense of how you carry yourself as a player, how you carry yourself as a man. Um, you know, there are many examples out there of people that you can, uh, take examples, good examples from, and Bill Russell is one of those people. Definitely would give him a lot of credit for being the man of men in, in all honesty. That's, that's how, how I see Bill Russell, the uh, man of men. Definitely is the, is, the, is the man of men. We appreciate everything he's done for us as, like I said, as a player, as a mentor, and, uh, you know, what I liked the most is that, and it's something that I, I guess you can say mimic in my lifestyle, is that when you do good things for people, you don't seek out accolation and credit. You're just here to do the work and, and do right by others and, and help others where you can. And Bill was always that type of person. He always was a per type of person that truly was in players' ears. He was in young men's ears. He was in uh, people in, in the entertainment world, the social world, you know, economic world. Um, you know, especially, you know, young African-American men trying to steer them in a, in a way that we should all go. And and that's not something that was lost on me, you know, and seeing him talk to LeBron, talk to Kobe, talk to Michael Jordan, talk to Magic, talk to Larry, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, the list goes on and on Will Chamberlain. You know, it's 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 one of those things where Bill was truly, truly selfless in his in his in his pursuit of seeing a better world, seeing a better place. Now, I'm not sure exactly how he felt about the world and where it sits in this moment um, when he passed, but um, I promise you that the people that he touched were better off and they needed everything that he gave them. I, I, I truly, truly believe that and with all my heart. And like I said, Bill is the one person that truly and truly bodies and embodies what what you should suit, you can truly, you know, use his legend and use his, uh, his stature to model yourself after and, and take examples of his life and say that, hey, that man was honest and forthright and, and authentic and, and he really didn't care about what people thought. You know, that was the biggest thing. I just, what I really wanted to drive home is that he really didn't care about what people thought of him. He just did, he just did with the work and he did, he did what he felt was right. And again, we, we can never, never truly, truly uh, get, pay him back for what he has been and what he has done for us. And 
And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, something that really truly, uh, you know, hit me as a light bulb moment when uh, stories started to come out about him is the simple fact that, you know, again, his, his, his team being true to himself and really truly not worrying about what people thought allowed him to be free. You know, he allowed him to be a free thinker, allowed him to be a free mind, allowed him to be a free spirit. And that's all something we all should strive for, you know, honestly. It really, it really is. We all should strive to be a free spirit, a free mind, and uh be our best self. You know, and you know, it may rub people the wrong way, it may rub some people the right way. It just whatever it does, if you can honestly and truly get through with your good mission, then that's that's a job done. That's a job done. So uh yeah, man. Um, I think we also strive to be more uh, honest, more uh, upfront, and be more uh, authentic in the sense. Um, if you have something that's you know helpful in in something that's going to uh, aid in people's development, whether it's something they want to hear or they don't, you know, you know, make it a point to give them that that push and give them that knowledge and give them that uh, message that they need to hear. You know, because that's what Bill did for everybody that he encountered. You know, you know whether it made you uncomfortable or whether it made you, um, you know, feel a, a different kind of way. You know, you honestly and truly took his words and you uh, you literally embodied them and internalized them, and and they and they were food for your soul, in a sense. So. Definitely appreciate Bill for all he's done from 1934 to 2022. We appreciate you, Bill. We appreciate you. Give a quick moment of silence for Bill Russell. Now I want to move on to Deshaun Watson. In my segment, I want to call it a definitive word on Deshaun. Now, it's interesting uh, that I've given my uh, account or my opinion on uh, the, this, his situation, his court cases, scandal. I mean, whatever connotation you want to put on it in regards to what he's been going through in this uh, civil lawsuit or lawsuits that he's been under uh, for the past year and a half, give or take. Um, so, uh, you know, I've had... A lot of mixed feelings about this whole entire situation. I'll be honest. I'll really be honest. And, um, you know, what I thought Deshaun was going in and what, you know, he was labeled as coming out of this situation, you know, it's 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 like almost like night and day. It's almost like night and day. Um, you know, again, you get information uh as things go along more and more things come out and more information you receive it 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 it, it updates it updates your your analysis and your opinion right so i read i read fifth all 15 pages of sue robinson's uh account of her in her decision um today uh and um yeah it, it was it was a read it was definitely a read and it gave me some insight and I guess, I guess it's in a definitive or a hard evidence to the, uh, likeness of what went on, you know, per se, at least the account the women gave of what went on in these particular massage sessions. And 
yeah, it's just a lot to digest. It really is. Um, you know, it kind of left me in in a tailspin, in a sense, in regards to uh, what to understand, what what to try to understand about this situation. It really does, you know. So, you know, when I call this the definitive word of Deshaun, I want to go from you know, top to bottom in a sense, um, and what I think happened, um, you know, to this young man from Clemson that a lot of people, you know, including myself, uh, revered as a very upstanding citizen, uh, an elite quarterback early on. And, um, and he was one of those many, you know, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, to name a few that out of Murray, which were, were in, breaking the mold and breaking the narrative that it, they're just not another black quarterback. Right. Um, so, you know, I looked to Deshaun for, for being that upstanding, intelligent, uh, fearless uh, playmaking quarterback that, you know, we've all co- come to know and love, right. A very charitable individual giving, uh, you know, very uh, fan friendly person, you know, in Houston and now in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, so when these allegations came out, it was very hard, you know, and I made a statement and I think I, I repeated or paraphrased in the sense that, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, when you, a person's giving you, uh, they're uh, giving you an opinion of themselves, giving you evidence of, to who they are, you believe that narrative versus, you know, something that comes out negative that, you know, it's kind of hard to digest. Right. But as these as these allegations and the and this information comes out, you know, in 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 droves, in a sense, you know, when we I think we got up to the and and I think the the deposition said it was upwards of like sixty six women that he solicited for massages over that time span, um, <laughs> you know, and again, if that's on paper, that's on in the books. I mean, that's what we have to believe, right? So that leads me to believe that you know it's it's interesting when. You have people that live, uh, I want to call it a double life, but I want to call it two separate lives, right? You know, the public figure there with his Deshaun was a very upstanding individual, very uh, role model-esque individual that you could, uh, you know, kind of tell kids, upcoming athletes to kind of model yourself around, right? But behind closed doors, it seems as if there was a very troubled individual back there. Very troubled individual. You know, because you get into the, the the logistics of what went on with his uh, incidents with these women, right? I mean, in a sense, I mean, let's look at it like this. He it was in a pandemic. Let's let's paint the picture, right? In a pandemic, you solicited on Instagram, uh, in a lot of regards, unlicensed massage therapists. Air quote: Women advertise themselves on Instagram as being massage therapists. And you you went for 66 different women. Now, I'm no massage expert. I'm no person that uh, I'm no I'm no nothing more than a person that gets has gotten massages in the past. Right. And I tend to believe from my perspective that if you get you know, we're just talking strictly massage here. We're not talking about anything extracurricular. If you if you find a massage therapist that you like. then you typically stick with that person. So I would like to believe that. And let's just say hypothetically, he was searching for that right person, right? Now, why are you doing that on Instagram rather than going through professional people that have high recommendations? It's a whole nother question. But 
you would think that after you know five, six, or seven, maybe ten of these women that he air quote uh, were soliciting for massages, you would kind of lean on somebody that you liked, right, and just stay with that person, right? Kind of put them on retainer in a sense. If you really feel like you need a massage therapy on a regular basis, which you know probably do, you need massage and recovery therapy quite often. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not a, a new thing. Or it's not an unfounded thing that 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 only he did or, or it was doing. Everybody does it. Everybody has their own massage therapist to help them in their recovery. But they typically have one, not sixty-six. So you you can add, you can ask and argue with you know what demons and what uh, I guess you can say um, psychological problems he was dealing with. I mean, you know, to to for him to want to desire, you know, to solicit sixty-six women now. You know, and I say it's psychological to me because of the sloppiness by which he went about it. He he uses front-facing verified Instagram account, right? Which lent to the idea that he was advertising himself as the Deshaun Watson that's the quarter, franchise quarterback for the Houston Texans, right? So you see these direct messages as a person he's contacting on Instagram. You're like, okay, this, this is really Deshaun Watson contacting me about a massage? Okay, you know, I mean, in a sense, you know, it's kind of like... You know, it's 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 lowering in a sense because you you know if you're a person that's air quote trying to get your business off the ground, you having Deshaun Watson as a potential client could help you out, right? I mean, it's it's one of those big breaks that you might get, right? Um, you know, you can put if you can post them on your Instagram, and say, hey, I gave Deshaun Watson a massage, or I'm his personal therapist now. That would should drive you more business, right? You know, just thinking just thinking above board here. But yet again, you you're reaching out to 66 different women and. You know, given uh, special instructions or special requests saying that you need your uh, abs and, and growing and, and rear and, you know, inner thighs massage, especially, you know, and are they comfortable with that? Asking those questions. Again, the sloppiness by which he did it, you know, no discretion at all. So which leads me to believe one of two things. Yes, a psychological issue, an addiction of some sort, or <laughs> or he was just so high up in his hubris or arrogance that he felt like he can just do these things and it would he can get away with it. Um, but yet again, you weren't if you were trying to uh, you know advertise as if you're the Houston Texans franchise quarterback and you're Deshaun Watson, you know you're this guy, you're a millionaire, whatever. Again, you didn't cover your tracks by any means, you know, use NDAs or anything like that. And you were, you know, basically leaving evidence of these indiscretions all over the place, which, you know, whether they were honest and true, if every, if all these 66 accounts were truly all labeled as sexual misconduct, you know, incidents, you're leaving a, a trail that's going to ultimately lead back to you and get you in trouble. So, for you to be that sloppy and that and that and that and that loose with the idea that you can just go around and and just solicit these women and nobody would ever uh, come back and, and speak out against you, it's it's very it's very naive or very uh, again just very high up in in this in, the, in the arrogant moment, thinking that that you are untouchable, which you clearly you're not. Um, it's funny to use the term untouchable because he clearly likes to be touched, so. <laughs> You know, it's 
it's it's it's a rough it's a rough pill to swallow. Like I said, you know the person that you that you were that you see um, on Sundays and and day to day basis that moved as if he was a very upstanding, well, you know, I guess well kept and well rounded person. Clearly has things in his, uh, I guess you can say, closed door life that aren't. The don't don't line up with the with the model person that you see in front of you on TV. So I say that to say, you know, this particular I I guess you can say moment, psychological breakdown, whatever it is, it went it left it was left unchecked. And it was left to uh spiral out of control to the point where we at where we're at now in 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 wrapping up the idea of him him being you know, faced with suspension from the NFL because of the violation of the personal conduct policy, right? But um, <laughs> you know, I, I would definitely lay, lay uh, blame at the feet of Deshaun, but I also would lay blame at the feet of everybody that was around him: the Houston Texans, anybody that's in his camp, his friends, his family, anybody that you know had any knowledge or any know about his dealings. You know, and that's what gets a lot of athletes in trouble this day and age, especially, is that nobody wants to step up and speak. And that goes back to my talk about Bill Russell earlier. Nobody wants to step up and speak to these people and tell them the truth about what they're doing. And it's and uh, I had a friend tell me uh, over the weekend that, you know, it's you know, he coaches uh, basketball and he was telling me that, you know, he, he encounters a lot of young men playing basketball up and coming, you know, uh, you know, early high school to almost college age kids and, and and their thought process is just so screwed up. Like they truly don't want to be guided or told anything. They just want to be out here and doing whatever they feel like they want to do. And, and whatever happens, happens. And I'm sorry. I, I don't, I don't see, you know, if that's just lack of guidance as a child or, you know, just the idea they just want to be, their own decision maker is good, good, better, and different. It's 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 a bad it's a bad it's a bad philosophy. It's a, it's a toxic philosophy, and to, if you really think that in that manner, and if Deshaun falls into that boat, you will crash and burn sooner than later, and that's the issue, you know, because let's be real about this. Let's be honest, that no matter what he does from here on out, there's always going to be some detractors. Uh, for him, he can go out there and take the Browns to four or five Super Bowls, lead the league in passing, have the have a ten year run of the best statistical career that anybody's ever had. But they're always going to hark back into that twenty twenty one twenty two two incident that happened that will always be a dark cloud of his head. And again, that goes back to my point about reeling people in and telling them that you need to slow down, you need to do things differently, you need not do certain things. Because it can have irreparable repercussions on you that you will never get past, and this is that. And he's at that moment. He's at the moment of irreparable harm that he's done to himself, and he is never going to truly fully recover from this. Never, never. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, looking even looking back to the late great, late great Kobe Bryant, you know, I still had some people that didn't like him as a player, call him a rapist, all the way up until he was done playing. Like I didn't that the literally the whole rapist thing, you know, and 
clearly it was th- it was thrown out of court and things like that. She was never charged anything like that, you know. And he won back over most of the fans, but there was still some detractors out there. Up until the day he stopped playing, they 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 kind of gave him a break uh, once he stopped playing. But up until this, the fact that the moment he stopped playing, they called him, you know, a rapist and all this kind of stuff. You know, all these kind of negative connotations. And that was, and I want to say he stopped playing. I want to say like twelve years after that. So <laughs> again, that's going to loom over your head forever. So again, if we learn anything from Bill Russell, be honest and forthright with your people because. It, it it really truly means that you care about them. You're just not trying to get something out of them, you know. Because some people just don't want to mess their meal ticket. If you want is, you know, that's one of your homeboys, and he's living off you. And only reason he has money in his pocket is because of you, and he don't want to mess it up because if he tell you something that you don't like and you fire him, then he's out on the street. Some people just don't want to be honest because of that fact. But at least for the people that don't have to worry about that. You know, be honest and forthright with these players and these athletes and these and these young men out here, and tell them that what you're doing is not is not it. You gotta slow down. You, I mean, if nothing else, try your hardest to you know get them on the straight and narrow and, and and give them the food that they need and 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 information that they need to be you know upright people and upright men because their life and their career depends on it. It really does. It really does. You you're doing them the disservice by not telling them the truth. You really are. You really are, you know. And like I said, Sean's reckless behavior is truly, is truly a a, a black eye or two, um, from for him. And it's always it's gonna be rough the hillos. It really is, you know. I mean, because truly, you really, you gotta protect yourself and your image. I mean, if you're a person that's in the spotlight, in the limelight, in any particular facet, entertainment, athlete, athletics, you know. Anything, movies. I mean, you know, civil, you know, servants and 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 politicians. Just you have to do things a certain way, because what people think of you really truly matters in a sense of how you are perceived and how you make your money. Because you know, again, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're difficult as a person to deal with, you know, it's gonna be it's, the, the people are not gonna line up for that. They're just not. They're just not going to do it. So he got to, he really has to get his reckless behavior under control. And um, I really hope that he, this is a wake up call for him and him trying to honestly, truly get himself together. Cause I think, I just, I think I really think he has a bit of a problem. I do. I, I think, I mean, just based upon the level that he went to the, and the amount of women that he solicited it's I really think he has, he has a bit of an issue. And, and we, some of us do have these issues with, you know, uh, I guess you can say sexual or uh, desires and, and whims that, you know, just it's it just it, you just have an abnormal level of testosterone, which most, you know, football players have anyway, based upon their career. So, you know, and some people have heightened testosterone levels, period, like in your life, you just genetically built that way. So you add on the, the heightened testosterone levels that you get from playing football just it can spiral your sexual desires out of control and it could that could have been something that really boiled down and, and bubbled over for Deshaun the reason why he's in this predicament so you know but um but I say one I say one thing though when it comes down to you know, whenever he's allowed to be back on the football field he's gonna have to honestly and truly um play like his you know life depending on it 
He really is. And uh, and I really believe this too. Um, because if he plays bad, then everybody's going to be like, well, hey, we knew it. We knew it. Now, imagine he hadn't played football, NFL football, for almost two years. You know, so it's gonna be it's gonna be adjustment period. It is. I mean, no matter how much practicing and working out you do, those live bullets are different. Everybody knows that they played the game, knows this. But that's really what it's gonna boil down to. It's gonna tell a true story about what he was and is as a person, and how well he plays uh, going forward. I think that's gonna be the telling telling moment. That's gonna be the telling moment. So, um. So getting into the suspension of its, you know, in in its, uh, I guess you can say, finality of what is uh, what's been the outcome of all this for the NFL's ruling. So Robinson landed on six games for his punishment. Now you know you can argue in the sense that you know he didn't play last year, but that was self. I guess they could say that was self-imposed. Um, I guess you could say it's one of those things where. He decided to get him, give himself a self-inflicted punishment, knowing that the league would ultimately potentially punish him anyway. So it's kind of like you locked yourself up in in your own house, you know, with your own TV, food, and things of that nature. I mean, you didn't come out, but it wasn't the same as going to jail, in a sense. So people don't really use that as time served, in a sense. So you're still eating good. You still could move around your house. You go to the bathroom when you wanted to, eat when you wanted to, you know, sleep in your own bed. It's not the same. So he didn't play last year, but, you know, they still looked at it as a, you know, so I guess you can say they looked at it as a suspicion was being a, a holy, whole list, a whole new uh, incident. It wasn't, you weren't going to use the backstory of you not playing for the Texans at all last year as diary to lighten your suspension, right? So, again, she landed those six games. And I, and I read every bit of the 16-page report. And I can say that, um, I can truly say now, after reading her report, I really understand why she landed on six games. And, and, I, and I'll explain why I feel that way. Is that I think that the league policy, first of all, I really believe the league policy rubs her the wrong way. <laughs> Just based upon how she reiterated on several occasions in that in that 15-page letter, how she was uh, very, I guess you can say, uh, taken aback by the vagueness of the policy that the NFL or policies that the NFL have when it comes to the personal conduct policy. Um, it's, it's almost like they can, I guess she was trying to spell out in a, in a, in a political way that they basically have the ability to levy their own punishment as they see fit. And it was, it was never based upon precedence. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it, it wouldn't be a situation where if, if a similar crime got a certain amount of games, that would be precedence for the next incident. No, it's really all based upon optics and, and public outcry, and they can suspend people based upon how they see fit. And the vagueness and the and the and the widespread net that this was casting over the the CBA, she she really wasn't she really wasn't happy with, and it was very making her making it hard for her to rule in a sense. Because of the vagueness and the, or the wideness of the of the of the policy conduct policy and the and the um, generic topics it covers, but this is where she landed on uh, six games, and this is really why she gave the ruling that she gave, in my opinion. It was it was alluded to, or I won't even use alluded. I would say it was it was thusly given. 
as a ruling that Deshaun's encounters were nonviolent sexual misconduct. Nonviolent sexual misconduct. So in the past, and she referenced these incidents in her letter, in the past, you've had violent encounters dealt out a certain level of suspension. Um, your Ray Rice incident um, and a few others that were repeated domestic violence cases and uh, repeated uh, or, you know, actual, you know, rape allegations and things of that nature, uh, forceful, you know, touching and things of that nature. Um, there were deemed violent encounters and they, they were, you, they were, given a certain level of games as a suspension. So mind you, she's a former judge and judges in, in large part, you know, I get, you know, for, uh, just by normal practice that they deal in precedence, judges deal in precedence. They don't deal in, I guess you can say case by case, this regardless, in my opinion, this deserves this amount of, suspension, this amount of jail time or this amount of fine, you know, it's not a case by case basis. It's all based upon precedence. So her being a judge or a former judge, that's what, how she operates, how she functions. So she looked at the allegations or the other cases that were decided and given punishments all had violent connotations attached to them and they got a certain level of games. So for this particular incident with Deshaun being labeled as a nonviolent sexual encounter, you know, violent encounters and sexual and nonviolent encounters have different have different levels by which people treat them, right? You know, nonviolent, you know, it's clearly, you know, doesn't involve forcefulness, right? Um, so in that in that in that space, she looked at it as if not if nonviolence carried a maximum suspension of say eight games. How can I give a how can I give a, a Deshaun Watson who who's who's labeled as a nonviolent offender more games? as a nonviolent person than a violent person got. So that's where she drew the line in the sand is really why she settled on eight on six games. It's because of the nonviolent label. Now we, you know, we, no, nobody was in this room and, and based upon the idea of what, by which they underscore what happened, um, you know, they said that, you know, Deshaun, you know, brushed his genitalia up on these ladies arms and, things of that nature. And it was a, it was a brush, not a force and things of that nature, you know, not to get too graphic, but you know, the, the incident that they review, like I said, it was given a nonviolent connotation. So, so the NFL was clamoring and, and, and wanting uh, an indefinite or at least a year suspension and, um, and a fine, but the CBA also doles out the idea that, you either fined or you're suspended. It's one of the two because understand the suspension comes with a fine anyway because you lose pay. So you so the idea of doubling down on fining me on top of giving me suspension is kind of a double duty, and they don't necessarily delve into that. So either you get fined a certain amount of dollars or you get suspended, you know, which comes with a price tag anyway. So she landed on a six-game suspension, which was going to cost him uh, his base salary for those six games. Because uh, it's less than a half a million dollars, in, in, in is all in all honesty, which is going to result in based on his, based on how his contract is structured, doesn't lose any guarantee money or things of that nature. So that's where it landed. So you know the big the biggest and, and most glaring question is you know was it justified? Was it too heavy? Was it too light? 
you know, I guess we can all make our, you know, own personal opinions on it. Um, I really don't land anywhere into those com- conversations, honestly. Um, was it justified? Was it too light, too heavy? I, I'm not. I'm, I'm really on the fence with all of that. Um, I would say, I would say that, you know, I just really feel like the judge's hands were tied. I really do. I, I really feel like the hear hands were tied. You know, I just think that based upon the letter of the law and the verbiage by which this case was labeled under nonviolent sexual misconduct, it can't wait, can't carry more games or it can't carry a heavier penalty than a violent one. So, you know, it's almost like a misdemeanor versus felony. Now, I'm not saying that this is a, that Deshaun's is a misdemeanor versus what, you know, other guys did was a felony. I'm not saying that, but just looking at it from a price tag perspective when it comes down to the penalty. Uh, misdemeanors carry a, carry a heavy a lighter sentence than felonies do, so I think that's how she that's how she broke it down, and I think that's how she honestly and truly um, made her decision based upon those 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 facts. So, you know, uh, you know that's that's where it lands. Now, you know, we still have to wait and see what the NFL is going to do, but of course, the reaction to it was as to be expected, in my opinion. Um, you know, nobody's truly happy about it. You know, it's funny. I did a poll. Uh, on Twitter, um, leading up to the, be uh, doing a podcast, and and uh, most people, I believe, sixty seven percent of people that voted said that it was too, it was it was it was too light of a suspension. Um, and uh, you know, again, you know, it's I think that's most people's uh, feeling that it was too light. Um, but yet again, you know, just the and I think there's one of those situations, one of those scenarios, you know, lucky for Deshaun that that the MB, the NFL's uh, the way the way they've written the the policy worked against them. I really believe it worked against them in this in this regard, because like I said, based upon how it was labeled and how it was uh, characterized, that is the reason why he got the six games as opposed to more, in a sense. So I really believe that um, you know, unfortunately for the league, you know, it, it worked though that wide casting net couldn't catch Deshaun in a bigger suspension uh, bag because it really would be an unprecedented suspension and it, it would cause an uproar in a sense because people with more violent crimes in a sense, you know, were given, uh, were given less games if he got more than the six that he got and, and what it all boils down to. So I guess the last cog in the wheel is that will the NFL repeal? Because you can you can appeal from both sides. The NFLPA can appeal if they feel like the suspension is isn't warranted or they have issue with it. And the NFL, based upon a new agreement, can appeal as well. So if the NFL appeals, uh, it goes yet again back to which I'm still kind of shaking my head at uh, what how they wrote up this policy and how they agreed to it. But it if the NFL appeals and they want to uh, appeal the suspension. The ultimate decision will go fall back on Roger Goodell, and he could add uh, more games to his suspension or whatever he decides he think is deemed necessary. But yet again, and this was Sue Robinson underscore that this would truly be a situation where you're only doing this um, because of the public outcry of 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 the idea. You're not following the letter of the law, so you're basically your policy is based upon how people react to it. If people don't react negatively to it, you can just give a light suspension. Everybody will keep on going on like status quo. 
like normal business. But if people are outraged by the incident, then you have the ability based upon your policy to del- delve out a large suspension based upon how you feel that day. And again, the judges don't function that way. So it's the reason why she is the suspension she gave. So, but if again, if they appeal and he gives a much heavier sentence, you know, the NFLPA is going to likely sue, um, which could ultimately uh, put an injunction on on his current suspension and allow Deshaun to play week one, number one. Two, it would tie up this particular uh, incident in more litigation and more news cycles until it's resolved. And, um, you know, who knows? I mean, based upon, you know, if depending on who judge uh, oversees the arbitration, it could be a situation where he may not get anything because you just felt like the NFL was wielding his power too heavily because you had an independent uh, investigator or independent investigators and independent uh, arbiter, judge, former judge, rule on it. And you didn't adhere to that ruling at all. You basically wanted to, you know, give your own brand of justice and appeal and go and use the, uh, I guess you can say the added policy to this to allow you to delve out a heavy suspension if you don't feel like the independent person was 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 harsh enough. So he could come into a situation where he, he can never he can never be suspended at all. So does the, so the question is we have to ask ourselves though does the NFL want to go down that rabbit hole? Um, like I said, the, the NFLPA made no bones about the idea that give if the NFL steps in and gives a harsher penalty, they will sue. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things at play here. You'll they'll get sued. Deshaun will be available right away, most likely. And you know, who knows what how that will play out. And on top of that, it does not bode well with the players association, the players in a sense when the new CBA gets doled out, um, when this current one is up, uh, how they feel about he, how you treated the policy. Because this is the first time this policy has been en- enacted. So if you don't have any faith based uh, I guess you can say if you don't have any uh, face-based uh, re- uh, results when it comes down to this uh, new policy, if you don't put any faith in it, you know, and you don't let it let it play itself out the way it's supposed to, then people are not going to be happy about that either. You will really put yourself in a contentious moment with the players and the player association because they put this in place because they feel like Goodell was using was abusing his power. So if but basically what you're basically saying is that if um, we're basically back at square one if he does this and he overrules the decision. So that will be a contentious moment, a very argumentative point when it comes down to renegotiating the CBA coming uh, next cycle. So I look at it from that perspective as well. But overall, man, like I said, Deshaun's play is going to have to tell, you know, who he really is, you know, if he can – get back on the field and excel as an elite quarterback and get back to his, his uh, elite playing days, then uh, it will blow over for the most part. But if he plays bad after this, it will always truly harken back to the idea that he himself was his own worst enemy. (laughs) And yet again, you have to, as a person that's, around this person and and a person that I hope that he listens to for advice, tell people the truth, tell them the truth and leave if nothing else, give them information that they need in order for them to make conscious decisions and make smart decisions about their life because you only get one. 
if you ruin your reputation early on in your 20s, it, it will follow you for the rest of your life. It really will follow you for the rest of your life. So I, I hope that uh, I hope this blows over and, and we can see Deshaun back on the field in, in week seven. But, you know, that remains to be seen. So in another quarterback situation that I, I wanted to address now, Coach Craig and I had a very in-depth discussion about Kyler Murray and his uh, plight um, over the weekend on Sports Talk. So if you haven't uh, seen that or listened to that, check that out. It was a very good episode, very good episode. Uh, we both were definitely um, impressed with each other's takes on how we felt about Kyler Murray and other things in that show. So check that out if you haven't. But um, there's one point that I wanted to bring up about Kyler Murray that that, uh, that I didn't uh, get a chance to dive into too deep on Sports Talk, and I wanted to bring it up here. is that throughout the cycle of what happened with, with Kyler Murray in this whole, uh, you know, little kid with homework scenario or uh, conversations they were putting on him as a, as a, as the stipulation they put in his contract to say he had to watch four hours of independent film throughout his uh, time, you know, as, as the quarterback of the Cardinals, you know, so they, <laughs> they went on, they went on, and uh, added a stipulation. They did that first. Then they turned around because of the backlash. They uh, rescinded it, so it was no longer a, uh, it was no longer a, a thing, in a sense. So they took it out. But my biggest thing and my biggest problem with the whole idea is that you let it get out. You let it get out. So <laughs> once you let it get out, there's no there's no bringing it back. There's no coming back from it. There really isn't. So, so my problem with the whole situation is that how, how bad it made the Cardinals look from, for, for them having, you know, offering this as a stipulation or, or mandating this as a stipulation for him to, to, for them to pay the money. Makata to agree to this stipulation, you know, and, you know, we, and I, you know, I went back and forth about the idea that you, you know, you should do this anyway. There shouldn't be a situation where they have to force you to watch film, right? Um, all the greats watch film and break down tendencies and in, in, in situational football to allow them to be better on Sunday, right? But the biggest thing I have, a problem I have now, because it started with him getting paid, it went to then it went to the stipulation, then it went to the disappointment that everybody had with Kyler agreeing to it. His agent is at fault. Kyler's at fault. The organization's at fault. Everybody has a hand in this negative press, right? But you have to understand that the negative press doesn't die with you removing the, the, the stipulation. It doesn't. Because we already now know exactly how you feel about Kyler Murray. And no matter what he does from this point on, and that's kind of like what I alluded to about Deshaun, is that no matter what you do from this point on, that particular idea is going to follow you. So every time you mess up, they're going to go harking back to the, well, I guess he didn't watch film this week. Well, I guess he 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 wasn't prepared this week. Oh, I, I guess, you know, they maybe need to put that stipulation back in his contract because clearly he needs more time. And he's not seeing things like he needs to be seeing them. So everything you do negative or anything you do that's not, you know, positive and, and, and successful, they're going to harken back to the idea that you are – uh, immature. You need to be handheld. 
You need to be forced to do things in order for you to be good at your craft. So that's my biggest problem with this whole thing, because, you know, it shouldn't have been in there in the first place. And then once you put it in there, once you agreed to it, you should have known ultimately because it becomes public record in a sense, it was going to get out. People are going to read the, people sit around all day and read these contracts. And then not just, not just the front office, not just kind of people, his attorneys and things of that nature, everybody, you know, analysts and, and beat reporters and all these kind of, all these, all these media pundits all read these contracts when they come out. And they see that line item and say four hours of independent film study a week and say, WTF, what is this? <laughs> and that's how it came out. And, um, and you can't reel it back in at that point. That's the biggest problem. You can't reel it back in. So with the, I, the fact that it, it leaked out in the news and the media, it's, it's out there. You cast the reel out there and there's no getting it back. A, a, a fish snatched of your rod and there's no getting it back. It's gone forever. It's always going to be out there. So I, I, I'm sorry. You know, it, this particular, the, whatever success the Cardinals had from this moment on or whatever success that they don't, this particular this particular part of it is always going to be looming over your head. And that's not something you want. It's always going to be a distraction. That's what the bottom line is. It's always going to be a distraction. So you set yourselves up for failure by offering it and agreeing to it. And this will follow you, and this will going to reverberate out into your career for the entirety that you're a Cardinal, or for the entirety of you being a quarterback for real. Because let's be honest, let's see if he if he decides to lead the Cardinals and go play for another team after his contract is up this go round, he's still going to be the well when the new team gives him contract. Are they going to offer him film study too? You know, and I'm I'm glad they rescinded it, but it still it still gives me a bad feeling that other teams that have issues with how people do things are going to try this this particular f tactic you know let's say how they, they don't like the fact that a certain player goes out to the club too much or he 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 plays uh video games too much or something that they don't like that they that they do uh they're going to try to offer stipulations in the contract and throw these this language in there to say they can't do X, Y, and Z if they pay them a big extension. Very nasty, very nasty road that, that, the, Car that the Cardinals tried to go down and it could open up Pandora's box for something else. So I'm just waiting for that to happen. But again, Kyler, this is going to follow you for forever. And I wish it would never happen because it, you, you had a promising career and this particular stigma is always going to be on you at that point and just the honest truth about it it's always going to be on you and i, and I hope that he does well and I hope he gets sells and he, he he picks up his game and he doesn't have these laws in his in his play because when he does guess what they're going to say that's all i'm saying so on to the tampering dolphins <laughs> the tampering dolphins so you finally got caught steven ross you finally got caught. The Dolphins were, well, I would say early Tuesday morning, were um, notified that they were going to lose their one of their first-round picks in this upcoming draft. And the draft, uh, subsequently after that, they were going to lose a third-round pick. Um, they were also going to be fined, I want to say, $1.5 million. And um, one of the associate uh, president, you know, v v VPs, and uh, along with Stephen Ross, the uh, managing general president, and general manager of the organization, were going to be uh, suspended from the organization for 
uh, I think Stephen Ross got six games and the and the lower executive got a full year. So, um, so why did they get they get suspended and lose these lose this conversation? Might ask. Why will we discuss in the past? Him meddling and tampering with Tom Brady. They uh, were discovered to have had improper conversations with him in 2019 when he was a Patriot. They had improper conversations with him when he was under contract with the Bucks. Um, they also had improper conversations in, in tampering conversations with Sean Payton when they were trying to acquire him to coach the team, uh, which he was going to subsequently be either traded or released from the Saints. But yet instead he retired. So, uh, but and I find it interesting that Tom Brady and Sean Payton retired because I think they kind of felt the the storm coming, in a sense, because they were going to be uh, caught uh, <laughs> from the backlash of the Brian Flores lawsuit. Um, they just felt like they if they get, if they retired, they can kind of it kind of keeps them out of it, right? They want to they want to be forced to to have to adhere to the league's investigation, right? So, uh, but Tom Brady did come back. Um, but it didn't absolve Stephen Ross from getting getting penalized. So, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure what's going to come of the Brian Flores lawsuit, but this particular punishment is a direct result of that. It really is. Because if you recall, based upon Brian Flores' uh, account of what, what was going on in uh, the organization at the time, that it was one incident where he was invited on Stephen Ross's yachts for a meeting. And uh, there was an unnamed person on the boat or was going to come coming to the boat that the Stephen Ross wanted uh, Brian Flores to woo and to come play for the Dolphins when his contract was up for the Patriots. That man was Tom Brady. So there's your misconduct there and in, in, in that incident. Um, they didn't reference that particular incident, but... I think we can all infer that that incident pretty much happened in my opinion um, because they had phone calls, uh, subsequent phone calls around that time that Tom Brady received from Stephen Ross and company trying to solicit him to come play for the Dolphins. So fast forward, you have then another subsequent incident while he's with the Bucks where they made improper phone calls to offer him minority ownership and uh, staking the team um, you know, in a, in a position within the team in the front office, which, but it was also widely uh, speculated or rally rumored that they were going to try to sneak in the idea that he would unretire and come play for the Dolphins for at least one year as quarterback. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. So, yeah. So they were uh, found guilty of those particular allegations. Now, they did, which is I found interesting when it kind of contradictory if you ask me, but they also, you know, in this particular findings in this report, they also uh, lend it to the idea that they didn't find any uh, evidence of tanking either, um, which I mean, if anybody understood, listen to Brian, Brian Flores when he talked about his allegations against the Dolphins, uh, he was asked to tank, but he never did. So you wouldn't. So naturally, you wouldn't find evidence of tanking because of what? Brian Flores didn't tank. He re, he re, he rebuked uh, Stephen Ross's uh, advances about him tanking or paying him to tank and didn't, which ultimately subsequently got him fired anyway. So that particular <laughs> space 
lends to the idea that he was offered it, you know, and and it's funny too because Roger Goodell's verbiage in the, in, the, in the letter said that um, that although there was no evidence found of tanking, but the idea or the speculation that you would mention it to your, uh, I guess you can say your uh, personnel, your coaches, um, even if it's in jest or in joking, shouldn't it's, there's no no place for that in the league because somebody could take you seriously. And it's one of those things where you might be talking one on one with with a person in your office. And somebody in passing hears you say something, they don't know you're joking. They just hear what you say. So they might take that as being serious. So Roger Goodell, you know, unequivocally brought that idea to light that even if you, if Stephen Ross was air quote joking, which makes me believe that he said something to Brian Flores about tanking so they can get a better draft pick to get a better quarterback. Cause he was after Joe Burrow that year. And um, basically offered, you know, you know, air quote jokingly offered Brian Flores a hundred thousand dollars per game that he lost. But Brian Floyd has been a person of, of of integrity and a man of of deep conviction that he is re- refuted that 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 uh, idea and went out there and put his best foot forward and won anyway. Because let's be honest, you know, had Flores tanked those games and accepted that money, right? Let's say hypothetically he did that and he lost. What was the end game anyway? So they lost. And that would have basically put a negative connotation on Flores' record and his resume, which would which would allow for uh, Ross to fire him anyway, just to bring in Sean Payton. So he would say, "Well, uh, you know, I, I have no, I don't, I can't, I don't understand why we went two and fourteen, and I have to let Brian Flores go because he's not getting the job done." And then, and then two weeks later, I bring in Sean Payton as my new coach. Yeah, Brian Flores would have had a you know a few hundred thousand dollars in his pocket, but he would have had an irreparably irreparable damage done to his resume, and likely would have never even got another head coaching job. Because let's be real honest, every African American head coach is coaching for every other African American coach coming after him. And if you don't, if you're not giving, if you're not putting out good tape and good uh, and good winning percentage, the likelihood of the next one getting hired is slim. So you have to look at it in that space too. And I'm sure he considered that. There's the reason why he didn't tank in a, you know, even if he wanted to tank, he didn't. Because again, he's not only he's not only worried about himself and his integrity, have to sleep at night with himself and his in his own mind, but he also looking at it from a perspective that if he gets caught up in this and he gets fired, he'll probably likely never get a head coaching job again. And that's not something he wanted to do. So <laughs> the messiness of the Dolphins continues. It continues. So We'll see what it, what this what this brings about in regards to uh, what Brian Flores' lawsuit was settled on. But I'm here to tell you, if you if you had a chance to go read Garage Goodell's note, to me, is a few smoking guns in there that's was going to play good uh, for Brian Flores in his lawsuit as well. So, if nothing else, that this he's likely going to win it and win it big if if that's allowed to be evidence in his case, and I believe it will be. So, we'll see, but. Shame on Stephen Ross, but we knew what it was. So let's talk about some camp news real quick. Uh, and, and some good and good news and some bad news when it comes down to what is, what's been happening in camp here lately. Uh, so um, to start off, Debo uh, Samuel and DK Metcalf got their money. Uh, yeah, so they got their extensions and they will stay with the team. Their their, specific, uh, their individual. NFC West teams, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Um, 
you know, that Debo signing wasn't as big of a shock to me in regards to the culture that is that's been set forth with the 49ers, right? But I, I want to say that when it comes to DK signing the extension, it surprised me a bit because I'm you looking at it from from a, a production perspective. That the quarterback uncertainty in Seattle isn't solved and it doesn't look like it's gonna be solved in any in any short order. So he gave them a lot of faith. There's a lot of faith in, involved when he was signing his extension because you could be catching passes from Drew Locke or Geno Smith for the next couple of years or a rookie that, that is going to take two or three years to figure out figure that out. So you will likely end up, you could end up playing this whole extension out on a quarterback that hasn't, there isn't Russell Wilson or isn't elite level status is going to help you uh, become a better receiver or, or, you know, that, you know, reach that pinnacle of an elite receiver that you want to get to. So, it was a lot of faith given into D- DK Sanders' decision. It really was. Because I'm sure he could have gotten, you know, if he waited, he could have got just as much money or more and off the market, in my opinion. Um, but, or actually be traded, you know, now, kind of like what everybody else did, traded and get paid right away. The team that needed a receiver of his caliber. So, um, yeah, I'm curious of what he's thinking in this regard because, again, he, he could honestly and truly play out his whole entire extension on the idea that he will be catching passes from a, journeyman backup quarterback or a rookie depending on where it lands for uh them in, in draft status uh going forward because if they get if they get a, a high draft pick in this coming draft and they pick up one of these quarterbacks coming out of the draft this year which is a good draft class then you gotta you gotta grow with that quarterback again you know and we we hope that he's you know like a Justin Herbert Joe Burrow can hit right away but guess what there it's it's all guesswork it's all guesswork so a lot of faith in DK and, and signing that extension, I'm here to tell you. So, uh, in uh, other news, uh, it seems as if Jimmy Garoppolo has been given uh, the, I guess you can say, news. <laughs> I want to call it good or bad news. Given the news that he would likely be, he'd be moved on from in the 49ers, and they were going to ride with uh, Trey Lance going forward. Now, naturally, it's something you have to do, you know, honestly, because you spent the capital on uh, on Trey Lance to get him to be your starter going forward. But, um, but yeah, so the question to me is where, you know, because of Jimmy's injury, it's kind of late in the game, where does he land? Now, clearly the Seattle Seahawks are the most in need of a quarterback at this moment, right? Um, but the idea of him going in division, the price tag is going to be higher. You know, that good old divisional tax. I mean, you know, to, for the 49ers to be okay with facing Jimmy G twice a year, they're going to have to give up something major. So let's say hypothetically Jimmy went for a fourth round pick to somewhere else or out of the conference. He would have to go for a second or third in, in a division. He just, it just, just by normal tax, just by normal tax. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, it, it's rough because like I said, it's not a market for him, but again, what are they going to do with him? Clearly Trey's going to be the guy, but where, what, what, they, what do they do with, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo in that 20, what 20 plus million dollars that he's got on the books for this year. I'm not sure it's guaranteed or not, but I'm pretty sure it's not. But yet again, what do you do with him? What do you do with him? So I'm curious about that and where he lands. But, um, you know, because I, I really feel like at this point, because they told him what they told him, you kind of have to get him out the building, you know, because, again, if you if 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 Trey struggles and people will be calling for Jimmy's name again, you know, by him sitting on the bench waiting for an opportunity. So I feel like you kind of have to move him. But where to? You know, and it's 
you know, it, going back to the Deshaun Watson situation, you know, assuming that the uh, his suspension holds, I'm sh- I'm sure that the Browns are comfortable with letting Jacoby Brissett take the reins for those six games and let Deshaun come back in short order and be the franchise quarterback going forward. Now, if he's somehow or another, it comes out that he they, they want to suspend him for the year and that sticks, which I don't think it will, then he may address the idea of bringing Jimmy G for a year. But, but yet again, I doubt highly that that'll happen. But, you know, stranger things have happened, but I don't think that will happen. But yeah, I look at it from that space as well. Does it, does he end up in Cleveland if Deshaun somehow, some way gets suspended for the year? But outside of that, it's not a, not a big market at all, unless somebody takes an injury, which, you know, God forbid that happens. But speaking of injury, uh, it's, it's been some, some rough injuries in the past week or so since camp has opened up fully and the pads have started to come on and things of that nature. And, and we get in, get in contact, you know, um, amongst players. And uh, we've lost a few already, unfortunately. Uh, Ryan Jensen, center from the uh, Buccaneers, to a significant knee injury. He's done for the year, most likely. Uh, Tim Patrick suffered a torn ACL on Tuesday. Um, uh, Demarion Crockett as well from the Broncos, the running back, they were, they were uh, working out. He tore an ACL in practice. Uh, Smoke Monday, a safety from the Saints. Um, that Tyron Matthews has spoken highly of in, in camp in short order. He's likely he suffered a significant injury. They haven't given the uh, official injury designation, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. So uh, Jordan Poirier, he went down with a hyperextended elbow. So um, luckily he dodged a bullet there. So it's nothing serious there. So he, they say he'll likely be ready for the start of the season. Uh, Irv Smith, thumb surgery, but he'll be back in short order. Uh, Tristan Wirth got carted off uh, yesterday. Um, they haven't given his injury designation as of yet, but um, they said it might be significant. I mean, anytime you get carted off, you always make it always worries. And some people come back off the cart, some people don't. So we gotta cross your fingers in that regard. But um, but yeah, so the Buccaneers could potentially have lost two star linemen in a matter of a week, which is rough sledding. And and it's one of the things you really don't want to see or really want to see take place, especially early on in the season like that. You know, you really, um, you really are up against it before. It's kind of with, with the Ravens last year. You're up against it before you even get started, and and that's something with a team that has high hopes for making a deep run. It, it, it's it's not it's not a, a good vote of confidence. It really isn't. So we'll see how those injuries. And you know, we'll pray that you know nothing other than um those injuries or or be major that they've already been doled out, but. You know, we'll just pray that, you know, some, you know, teams aren't gutted and, and ravaged by injury going forward. And we can get out of camp with a relatively healthy roster for all parties involved. All parties involved. So. So let's talk about biggest headlines as we, as we wrap up this uh, NFL segment. So we've done the East. We've done the NFC East, AFC East. We've done the AFC North. Now we're moving on to the NFC North. So um, just a quick recap. Um, sorry for the radio audience that you can't see this, but um, I'll kind of read it off in short order. So the AFC East, the biggest headlines for the Bills were, will the office regress under their new office coordinator, Ken Dorsey? Um, Patriots is evil Bill sabotaging the Patriots with his coaching decisions. The Dolphins is put up a shutter for Tua. The Jets, can Zach Wilson take a big step forward? Uh, for the NFC East, Eagles, can Jalen Hurts take, take the next step? Cowboys, can Dak deliver without Amari? Commanders, can Carson save his career? The Giants, will the team surprise anybody? For the AFC North, uh, the Steelers, will pick, when will Pickett start? 
uh, the Browns, when will Deshaun play? Of course, this was pre-suspension. So now we know technically it should be week seven. Um, the Ravens, will Lamar bounce back? And the Bengals, will they avoid the Super Bowl hangover? So those are, that's a recap of the biggest headlines we've covered so far in the podcast. So uh, just to give you a big uh, short order, if you want to go back and look into any of those uh, segments, I'll give you a, a detailed description of what I mean by these headlines. So now we're going to get into the NFC North, which is comprised of the Packers, the Vikings, the Lions, and the Bears. So when it comes down to biggest headlines, start with the Lions. And then can they rise above irrelevant? So as we, as we all know, if we watch football in any a stretch of time, the Lions have been an underwhelming mess for quite some time. Now, for the first time in a long time, you know, since probably since the Calvin Johnson days, that they showed flashes last year. And I really do like their roster um, comp- comprised of the wide receivers they have, the O-line is good, the running backs they have. They're, st- they're steadily improving their defense. Um, I think they could add a few pieces there, but um, they're getting better. They're going to get some people back, like Jeff Okuda, for instance, that's going to come back off injury. So I really feel like uh, they have a good roster. Now, you know, we still have – it's still, you know, a, a wait and see for whether or not Dan Campbell can really be a good coach. But, I, you know, I'm not sure from X's and O's perspective he's going to be, you know, Bill Belichick or, or, or I guess, Andy Reid. But – I would definitely say he's a good motivator. I think his team rallies around him and they fight for him. So I think they have the best chance of anything to come out of that irrelevancy uh, market. Um, but how many games will they win? Uh, I'll reveal that later in my, in my breakdown of wins and losses. Um, Got to retweak it now because of Deshaun Watson's suspension. Um, but I think they could honestly truly not be the same old Lions that we can, we've come accustomed to seeing over the past several years. Um, but that's the question. Can they can they rise above and become uh, uh, a threat? You know, and I'm not going to say they're going to be a playoff team or, or beat uh, a top contender, but I will say that they have the opportunity to be very a very difficult out um, in 2022. So we'll see what the Lions do. But I think that's the that's what they should focus on. That's what their demand should be is to be a very tough out and win as many games as possible. Sneak up on some people. And upset them when they're not playing good football. Catch them on a bad Sunday, and you can beat that team. So yet again, you know, and I think there's a couple of fantasy people, you know, the fantasy players on the team that could be could be gets like Amaron State Brown was last year. James Jameson Williams is coming in this year once he gets his leg healthy. So you know, Jared Goff is the quarterback. So I think there's a ceiling there, but I think that he can he can be a, he can win some games. You know, I think the offense is going to be their uh, their. Uh, their uh, strong point, their strong suit. So we'll see how it, how it shakes out for the Lions. But I think they can't. They got a shot of being as not the I guess you say the bottom of the division this year. Let's just say it that way. So now the Vikings <laughs> can they win despite Kirk Cousins? Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence in that. In all honesty, I really feel like that there's a ceiling there with Kirk Cousins as well. I really feel like that there are ultimately truly held back by Kirk Cousins. Um, uh, I guess you say talent level is play. So I really feel like that uh, even though they have great weapons, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, uh, great O-line, Dalvin Cook, Madison, I really think they got 
Greg Webb was on the offense. They got an offensive head coach now. Um, rather than Zimmer, who's the defensive minded coach, they all and although they did improve their defense as well, I think their defense is much improved from a year, year ago. Um, I think this team has is selling. I really do. Um, I don't think they can. Although the, you know people will argue that Kirk Cousins gives Aaron Rodgers the most most go in the division, I don't see I don't see them beating the Packers even with their makeshift wide receiver room. Um, but you know, strange things happen, and we still have the act ourselves. Can this new coach coach? Um, you know, as a, as a, as the head man and the play caller. So, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. And for them to double down and keep giving Kirk Cousins guaranteed money, I, you know, I understand that that you don't want to get into the ball game of of trying to go out there and draft the quarterback because that never really worked out for you. But again, you have a ceiling with Kirk Cousins, and I think that ceiling is nine, ten wins at best. And that's and I'm being generous. I already feel like he's a he's a nine win guy at best. You know, and he might need some help. I mean, he's going to get, you know, I think they could beat the Lions. I think they could beat the Bears. So that's four wins. <laughs> but, you know, he'll eke out five somewhere in there, four to five outside of that. But, again, they're not beating anybody that's relevant in the AFC for sure and definitely not beating the Rams or the Bucks if they're healthy. So, her cousins are just selling, Vikings fans. I'm sorry to tell you. So, the Bears, the Bears, will Justin survive the dysfunction? <laughs> I pray for Justin Fields. I really do. Because now there's rumors that they're going to uh, try to trade Tevin Jenkins, one of his best linemen that they drafted in the second round. Um, he had a little bit of injury issue last year, but he's supposed to come back fully healthy this year and um, be a uh, starting lineman for uh, for Justin. One of the few ones that he had that were decent, right? So they're talking about trading him. So that lends to the idea that, that, that the Bears have no clue about how to protect and, and cover their franchise quarterback. So that, again, lends to the idea that they are a completely and utterly dysfunctional organization at this moment. And, you know, they brought in a bunch of journeyman receivers. They got a good tight end, Kokomet. The whole line is terrible. They're, they're, I don't know what they're doing at running back for real. I don't know if it's David Gummery. They let Tyree Cohen go. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing at running back. I mean, Mooney, you know, Mooney is pretty good as a receiver, but, I mean, running back is a mess. Um Defensively, they they taken a step back. They drafted some guys and to help the defensive side of the ball, but you know their offense is a complete another mess. Um, and I really feel like Justin's gonna be running for his life this year, and I pray he doesn't get hurt. In all honesty, I really do because I think they're they not doing a lick to protect him at all. And if you're talking about selling off the one person that has a shot at protecting them, you're talking about trading him and trading him for what? You trade him for draft capital? That's not gonna do Justin any good. Justin any good this season. So, you know, and then you have a, a defensive-facing head coach. Ibrahim is a defensive coach. So he's going to be focusing on trying to build, rebuild a defense. The offense is going to suffer. Uh, and I, it's, it's, a, it's, a bad, it's a bad situation. So if I had to bet right now, I would say the Bears fit is last in the division. It's just based upon the dysfunction. And the idea that Justin can't develop himself as a quarterback because he does not have the ability to stand up upright and have to use his legs and keep himself from getting killed. So, you know, he might average more rushing yards than he does passing yards if if this line doesn't hold up. You know, so that's the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem. And it's really dysfunctional. And they've they've done nothing to manage the cap well. And they've done nothing to build around this franchise quarterback that they drafted last year. You know, it, I mean I get it took the Bengals a, a year to a year year and a half to figure it out themselves, but 
You know, at least they tried. At least they tried. They went out. And, at least they they went out and got him weapons. Get just got Joe Burrow weapons in his second year. You know, they did nothing to help Justin at all in Chicago. They did nothing, in my opinion. Again, bringing a bunch of journeyman receivers didn't draft any for real. You bring in a bunch of journeyman receivers. You don't give him another a running back. You don't give him another. You don't draft him any alignment, which would the alignment front in the draft were, were plentiful. It was a bunch of healthy and and good alignment in the draft, top to bottom, interior and outside. You drafted none. <laughs> I mean, yet again, you just again, it's, the decision making from the Chicago is is a is unnerving. It really is. It really is, and it it does not bode well for Justin's early career. Because this is this is the moment where you can ru- truly ruin a good quarterback because you aren't doing enough to protect him and, and to develop him and, and to uh, protect him in a sense where you, he could feel secure in the idea that he could uh, hone his skills and become a franchise quarterback and be an elite quarterback in this league. So, yeah, it's the Sam Donald situation all over again. It's not the Jets. And the last one is the Packers. Life without Devontae Adams, I think it's going to be rough. But the good thing is they they play in a crappy division, <laughs> so clearly the Bears are dysfunctional. The Vikings can't get out of Kirk Cousins can't get out of the Vikings' way, and the Lions are still rebuilding forever and eternally. So they'll still win a division. The defense is better. They bought they bought in two stellar draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. They drafted um, in the early rounds. They got him a receiver. A rookie receiver from Christian Watson in the second round. So they got some pieces. Um, I believe they're bringing back their tight ends. And, um, you know, so, you know, Aaron will be Aaron. Um, he won't have the security blanket of Devontae Adams anymore, but it'll be interesting to see the, who his next guy is going to be. He joked last week about Alan Lazar being, you know, the caliber of Devontae Adams, which is a complete utter lie. You'd ignored Alan Lazar for three years. All of a sudden, now he's your guy. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a kind of a shit show if you ask me. But that's all I'm gonna But regardless, we'll, it'll be interesting to see who's the, who's the new face of the person catching passes from Aaron Rodgers going forward. You know, Amari Rodgers, uh, Christian Watson, uh, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard. Who we don't know. Who, who knows? But you know, I think they'll be fine. It's from a winning perspective. You know, they still probably win, you know, 12, 13 games just because they pay in a, uh, a, a weak division and a weaker conference. But I don't see them going far after that. I think it'll be pretty much a one and done playoff scenario once they have to go up against the Rams or the Bucks in that situation because there's no synergy on offense that you can rely on when it comes down to trying to win a football game. And Aaron would never be aggressive and try to, you know, air quote, uh, you know, risk a mistake in order to make a big play. That's really been his problem in the last couple of years. So that's what it all boils down to. But, you know, stranger things have happened. But yet again, I, I think this lends to the idea that it's going to be a drop off in in production when it comes down to the Devontae Adams not being there anymore. So we'll see. So that's going to wrap up the NFL segment. We'll take a quick break and then we'll wrap up this podcast with a full quarter closeout. It is the Lockdown Davis Podcast.
And we are back with the fourth quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Neighbors Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh, man, episode 93 is in the books. I want to appreciate everybody that's been rocking with me throughout this entire time. Appreciate everybody listening and viewing this video. Like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. We are one, as of me recording this, we are one subscriber away from our giveaway. We're doing an NFL or NBA jersey. You're choosing if you win the giveaway. We're doing a giveaway for that as well when we hit this milestone of subscribers. So if you subscribe, if you haven't, so we hit this milestone that we can do a giveaway. Uh, also, check out my uh, Chargers training camp video on my channel if you have not already. That video is doing really well in the in, a, in the atmosphere, in the stratosphere of YouTube, and I want to get anybody and everybody wants to check that out in my breakdown of training camp and our goals for the year for the Los Angeles Chargers. That's on my channel live and right now, as always. And check out the replay of Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt. It goes live each and every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch and YouTube. And the replay for that goes live on all platforms on Monday mornings at 11 a.m. And as always, we'll try to keep our podcast on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. This week, we're doing a special day. Uh, my podcast got kind of got bumped and moved and uh, and in lieu of me trying to get this training camp video out and between work and everything like that. But um, I definitely want to still bring this content for you as much as I possibly can. I appreciate everybody has been rocking with us, man. Like I said, the subscribers have been going up and up exponentially since we've uh, uh, hit the spring of this year. And, man, I'll just hope and pray that it continues on and we can reach more and more, uh, reach more and more bigger audience out there and we'll uh, keep doing this thing big man keep giving you all this live and direct real content so um real quick uh like i said we're in the off season so there's no awards for breakout players of the week and lockdown the fin of the week but uh we got to give out a big dummy <laughs> we just got to do it we just got to do it and uh we've have a few <laughs> this week just to say the least right we got a few so i as i talked about earlier the cardinals and Kyler murray situation with this contract and the stipulation, there's no longer stipulation about him fit doing, having to do film study. Like I said before, and I'll say it again, that particular cloud is going to hang over your head. It's not going away. It's not going away. So the fact that you let it come out, you let it get out in the atmosphere and people know about it, everybody's just going to harp on it, and it's going to be a topic of discussion every time Kyler does something wrong. And again, that's not a, it's not going to bode well for the organization, nor it's going to bode well for Kyler Murray as a player. So... <laughs> for that for that reason and reason alone, for this to be an ugly situation for you forever, practically, y'all are part one. And part two is the Dolphins for getting caught up in in and finally getting fined and uh penalized for your tampering of of such things of trying to post on Brady, trying to uh implicate Brian Flores and and ultimately jettison him for Sean Payton. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a rough it's a rough time for for Miami fans in all honesty, and you know owners like Stephen Ross and and Daniel Snyder in particular, they just they 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 need not own NFL teams in my opinion. But you know that's not my call. But um, but yeah, they just not playing by the rules, not playing by the books, and they're 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 especially in Daniel Snyder's case, he's dealing a lot of bad business and a lot of dirty pool. Um, that's 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 not it's, it's irreversible and is you can't recover from it. You can't. Um, and Flores, you know, lawsuit brought to light the Dolphins' uh, improprieties, and they're trying to circumvent the rules in order to try to win, win and win big, and, and you know, trying to bring a Super Bowl to Miami. I'm sure that's the whole end game with Tom Brady being there. He wanted the Super Bowl. That was the end game. Like it wasn't. He was he was there for no other reason. So trying to circumvent rules and, and break rules and, and do stuff under the table, you got caught. So, 
but it's Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, and Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. You get the Big Dummy Week Award. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. We're gonna be back hopefully next Tuesday, uh, you know, normal time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all popular platforms. You get your podcast from. Check this out in its entirety. Like I said, like, comment, subscribe. Let me know how you feel about this content. And uh, we'll be back with uh, the Wow OS podcast tonight. As a matter of fact, 7.30 on the channel. So we'll be live with direct with the Wild Wild West podcast tonight at 7.30. Check us out there. Check us out on Saturday with Sports Talk. And then hopefully the podcast will be live on Tuesday as regularly scheduled. If it's not, I'll, get you, I'll let, notify you guys on Twitter. But in the meantime, between time, I'm Coach Defense. Until next week, we'll see you when we see you. Step up and log it down. <laughs>